Good morning. It is a lovely fall morning in Columbus, Ohio. Hi, welcome to Queer Readings, a podcast about tarot and the intersectionality of queerness and tarot. <laughs> My name is Bard and I will be joining you this morning and we're going to be talking a little bit about panic reading or as I refer to it as, wait, consult the cards. We're going to talk a little bit about that and about having a clear head when making decisions and a little bit about reading and what kind of methods you can use while reading and so forth. I think later today also I want to talk about, uh, I think, relationships too. We'll see what today brings. All right, this is sort of unscripted, which could be entertaining for some, aggravating for others. But I like thinking about things as I go and kind of going through a stream of consciousness to explain my thoughts and my ideas on things. It's just sort of how I roll. And if this content is really entertaining and educational to some degree, then I will keep it somewhat unscripted. I usually have like an outline of objectives. Um, but this is going to be a little unscripted today. So... Queer readings. So we're going to be talking a little bit about emergency readings or wait, consult the cards. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about panicking and when you're a divinator and what does panicking look like when you, um, I said divinator, should I say diviner, diviner, diviner seer. And I'm going to talk a little bit about the situation that I've been dealing with for a minute. Um, I am currently in a hospitalization program here in Columbus um, because I basically had a week-long crisis episode and my therapist says I should be in a partial hospitalization program or a PHP. And they're, I refer to it as crazy day camp because I'm only there in the mornings and then in the uh, afternoons I'm home which has been really great. I really love the therapy and the place that I'm in right now is stable and secure and comfortable and it has been really wonderful. Um, so what exactly am I bringing this up for? Well, some of the issues that I think a lot of people forget is that divination is a useful tool for casting emotions and probably events and sort of allowing you to look back in the coding of your brain a little bit. It's like getting, um, it's like looking at the, I don't know, I'm going to mess it up so bad, um, that source data, I'll do source data. IT guys are going to probably hate me for this. Um, if you are IT and into uh, seer work and divination, shout out to you guys. You guys are great. Um, and looking at the source code and looking at all the little ins and outs of how that code works. And that's sort of how I use divination. It's a form of therapy. It's a form of psychological research, pulling back. You can't predict the future per se, but you can forecast it and look at certain events before they happen and make judgments um, based on that forecasting. And as someone who's into meteorology, that's the analog and analogy I use. But what happens when your head is not clear? It's all buzzy inside. How does divination work in then? When you're panicking about something life-changing, and I'm gonna use the example of having a baby because that's a, a universal holy shit experience, right? Um, how do you look at that and go, oh, let's make a clear, rational decision on what to do next. And I'm going to use my tarot set to forecast the events. Perhaps this will give me some answers on what I should do next. When you're panicking, that's not going to give you any good answers. You're going to look at all the symbols and you're going to go through a lens of panic. The hangman becomes... Oh, I have to sacrifice everything. The The emperor cart becomes, oh my God, I have to be a dad. 
the tower card is terrifying even more so than it usually is. And as a divinator, I think diviner, diviner, can you tell that I've only read this word and never spoke it? Um, as a diviner or a seer would both mean the same thing. Um, I don't like reading when I'm panicking because I can't keep my head focused. Um, one of the methods that you could use for divination with these very like aha big scary moments is using not tarot cards because you can get lost in the symbols but rather a more simplistic system like ohm or runes. Runes are actually really good for clear precise like ideas. Instead of getting lost in 50 symbols um, you can look at the runes and read the runes as they are pretty flatly right? Kenaz is creative energy. Thuraz is the thorn. It's the giant's rune. Um, or the sore represents something like a little chaotic, a little out of place. Hagalaz is the tower card, but with hailstones. Um, there's a lot you can read from the tarot card that can get very lost in but a rune set is really good for just a very simple sort of clear, like, focusing. And a lot of people that I know, not just heathens, not just also true, but a lot of folks I know love the runes because of their simplicity. And that goes the same from Ulm, which is the, um, the lot drawing system for Celtic symbolism. They use uh, tree tree runes. It's also known as the tree rune system. Um, and of course the alpha, the Greek alphabet oracle. And those are kind of more neo-pagan methods. And the Greek alphabet oracle um, is based on a series of like poems or like hymns, I think. My friend Jan, who's a better, he better uh, Helene than I am, um, you can probably tell me more. Um, and those simple symbols can be really useful. Sorry, I got coffee in my mustache. Can be really useful for understanding a little bit about the situation, but without getting like trapped in the, in the forest, so to speak. You can look at the whole forest, not get lost in the trees. Now, if you're better with tarot, yes, use tarot. If you're better with oracle cards, use oracle cards. If you're better with Gazing methods. Use gazing methods. I find gazing methods to be incredibly difficult when you're in a state of panic. Um, but if that was works for you, tasselomancy or palm reading are also forms of divination that I'm not really good at and I haven't had any experience. I'm better with lot drawing systems like oracle cards, tarot, and uh, runes. Um, and maybe I'll do a like an episode with somebody who does crystal gazing and talk about crystal gazing. I know this... Uh, podcast is about the intersection of queerness and um, tarot and I've been doing a lot of like tarot focused set tarot focused episodes um, but I think and I think that's sort of an off topic comment but the reason I brought that up is I think there's a lot of events in queer folks lives that can cause really unclear and unfocused reads that can make things really difficult. I mean, you know, you can use readings for all sorts of like measurements on what to do next, but when you're panicking and you're not slowing down and you're and you're trapped in this in this life-changing news or or stressful situation, reading the cards may not be the best thing to do. And instead, Maybe it's a better idea for you to take a step back and try another system. Or even better, take a step back instead of reading, do some calming techniques. So if you're in a state of panic and you want to grab the cards to figure out what to do next and you are told and you grab the cards and you're going to go, okay, so I'm going to go ahead and do this reading and I'm just going to double check on some stuff. Wait. My rule of thumb is that I always wait 24 hours before I do a reading after I hear some life-changing news. Um, life-changing news is always a 
a really kind of a good idea to do a reading, but not when you're in a state of panic, which is my point. So if you have life-changing news and you want to do a reading, um, wait 24 hours. And if you're still kind of like messing with the weeds and the more grounded earthbound stuff about it, then forever how long that takes, that's how long it takes. Wait until you're in a decent headspace and a decent place before you go and do a reading. And some life-changing events probably need a longer period before you go and grab your cards or your divination systems. Um, for more crossroad-like experiences, like whether or not you should have a kid, or maybe this is time to buy a house, or dealing with a job transfer, um, those are, refer I refer to them as crossroads. Like that's a, that's a change in direction. And those are not the same as, oh my God, I'm pregnant. I'm going to have a baby. I'm going to take care of all this first. And then I'm going to do a reading sort of event, right? Or my dad died. Uh, let me do a reading tonight to get my life in order. Wait 24 hours for that. What a crossroads like event that can also be a, a life-changing decision um, you can have a probably a shorter like half-life with that. You can once you make the choice I'm going to maybe change my job, that's probably a really good time to sit down with a cup of coffee and some incense and do a reading and figure out when and where. And that's sort of where I am at right now. I'm in a place of crossroads. I'm not in holy shit, my mental health is down the tubes. I'm in a psych ward right now. I gotta do a reading. Right now I'm in a position in which I'm going to be looking at events coming up. I did that a lot with my pregnancy readings, which are all fucking gone. Um, excuse that F-bomb. And when I was looking at those particular readings and I'm looking at the particular readings I'm doing now, um, they're really, really interesting to see which ones I read when I was frustrated and which ones I read when I was clear. When you always have an opportunity to be in a clear head, that's a good time to read. When your head is all buzzy inside and there's like bees in your head, you're not going to be able to read the symbols in a clear manner. You're not going to look at them and look at them objectively. Um, you're going to read them in that lens. And I know for a lot of people who are in that crossroads of, do I come out to my dad? Or do I transition? And there you go. There's the, there's the connection, I guess. Um, maybe reading could be useful for deciding, but ultimately... To make any decision, you need more grounded, earthbound um, factors involved. Um, the cards are really good as a tool, but don't make all your life decisions on tarot cards. It's a little unwise. Look at earthbound and more earthly sort of like positions and ideas first before you go and, and use a tarot set and decide based on the position of the cards what to do next. I've always been grounded in some level of science and reason, even though I'm a giant pagan um, who does tarot readings, and I'm sure some of my atheist friends are rolling their eyes completely into their sockets several times, but I lose both. And when I was deciding about leaving my job, I did do a reading. And when I did the reading, I waited until it was a week into my therapy program before I made the choice and I got some interesting position got some interesting cards. Now I use my I Ching deck, which is a method that I use a lot because it's really, really clear and gives me just beautiful, sort of clear understanding of what's going on. And I got a lot of like decision making cards that are very much like stick to the choice that you make and don't waffle. And Staying in your job is akin to like being bound up. So that's what I read. And I kept that recording and I kept that on, on the, on the side. In another couple days, I'm going to do another reading and go from there. Um, and that's how I'm reading when I'm kind of like making these sort of big choices is I do multiple readings over a span of time, because the further you go out, the further you go in time, the more space you get and the longer that space is, the more you can get a better, clearer headspace to use that. You don't have to do a tarot reading right away when you hear exciting news or life-changing news. You can wait days, weeks even, months even, before you can go and do a reading to decide some decisions or to, to forecast the series of events that could arrive from this event. 
sometimes there are events in our lives that don't need to be decision or don't need to have a decision made, right? Like a dad dying or a parent dying or a family member dying. You want to know where they're going or where their afterlife is or what kind of like weird chicanery is going to show up after their death, like estate stuff or something, right? Are you going to get that uh, car that Uncle Mike left you? Are you? So those things don't necessarily need a decision-making process. And reading those particular situations, you can do them maybe ASAP and just, you know, do a quick reading. Um, and I hope my advice makes sense to folks. You know, I hope people realize that reading while pre under pressure or freaking out is not going to give you a good read. And for some, that's like common sense. But for others, it's like, oh, okay. But I don't want that time to separate me from this fresh experience to the cards. I don't want to, I don't want to distance myself too much from it. Well, I disagree. I think you should distance yourself a little bit from it and maybe even more. Because you want a more objective look at the cards, not a one that's under the subject of certain mental states like panic or excitement or fear or apprehension. You want a little more objective state. And in that point, maybe if you need a reading, you should schedule one with a seer and with a, with a tarot reader um, at your local metaphysical shop if you have one in your hometown or you can talk to a friend and maybe they can do a reading for you. That's a really good time to get a friend to read for you. Um, I am lazy and broke, so I tend to do my own readings. Um, but if you need answers and you don't want to distance too much, ask a friend to give you a reading. And I guarantee that's going to give you a much more objective and clear look on what kind of um, decisions you should make. And yeah, um, I think that's the end of this segment. We're going to talk a little bit about... Uh, relationships and relationship spreads and what is a relationship spread and are they actually useful cards well we're going to talk about that today in queer readings so let's talk about relationships it's a beautiful fall morning i'm really hoping my sister texts me back today and we can go apple picking today i really want to go apple picking i'm planning to be cooking today for my husband and I'm really excited about, like, you know, doing all these really nice things for him. I love pleasing my spouse. And just because he loves doing nice things for me. I have a beautiful set of flowers just sitting right there facing the sunlight. Um, and I have a hot cup of coffee with me today. And I have lots of good feelings in my heart. But relationships and relationship spreads and... What about them? Well, I figured today would be a good time to talk about it since it just kind of been on my head lately. And like a majority of my thoughts, I want to share them with the world, whether anybody asks for them or not. Um, cue being autistic and oversharing. <laughs> so relationship spreads. What exactly is those? Well, those are a particularly set of tarot spreads that focus on relationships. And a lot of them tend to be very heterosexual, cisgender, and very romantic-leaning rather than uh, a relationship reading or spread that is about relationships in a broader sense. So one of the cards in my Seder deck that I have, actually, that I made um, is called the Bonded Pair. And the original design of the card had a adorable set of gender queerish satyrs kissing on their on the cheek and snuggling up together and on the side was an apple that's been tossed away that represents Adam and Eve and the original sin that's been cast aside and the pair is kissing and snuggling each other and that was the original symbol the new symbol has a pair of satyrs with their horns tied together and their cheek to cheek or they're cupping each other's faces. And they have the love beams in their eyes and once again, there is no gender attached to them. 
The card I made specifically was as a, the card that I made for that, and the reason I made the way that it did, was a bit of a side glance at the relationship spreads and seer work and relationship styled like, will he love me? Will she date me? Will I have kids sort of kind of like reads. It was to take the lover card and remove all the heteronormativity of it and said, everybody's gay, everybody's queer, here's how we're doing it. And I really liked how that card turned out because it was just a really good card for relationships in a broader sense. That's how you read the bonded pair. The bonded pair is not about romantic relationships, but the bonds you have with everybody else. Now I do have the card called a, the tryst, which is, you know, you and me baby are nothing but mammals card. And if anybody caught that reference, you're over 34 and I love you. If you have caught that reference and you're 27 or lower, I don't know what you've been listening to on YouTube, but your mom should have put on parental controls. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Um, and the, that card is about sex and it's particularly about comma, physical pleasure and physical desire. The tryst is all about not just having sex and sexual relationships, but that card is specifically meant for that, but also for like having a good meal, taking a longer nap, um, finally relieving your constipation, which is a very pleasurable experience. Um, oh, um, if you ever had a good solid, anyway, um, <laughs> so these chocolate espresso beans that I found, um, are all like tainted by the sun. I'm going to put these back. Um, that was an impulse. Sorry. Back on topic about relationship spreads. Um, as you can tell, this is unscripted. When I made those particular cards, especially when I did the, um, the debt, did the, did the, um, tryst. I did that lot. I did that when the, when I updated my deck and I redid my deck and then sacrificed my old deck to the new deck, which was very pagan and very emotional. And I cried for a long time, um, because I put a lot of energy in that deck and the new deck was blessed by the old deck. And yeah, anyway, I updated and updated and I added that card because I wanted a card that is separate from the the lover, so to speak, because I felt like in some ways, whenever we do relationship spreads, relationship readings, or like any readings that are about like people, it's always in a very heteronormative to sexist sort of viewpoint. I wanted to separate them out completely as this is romantic and sexual love, and this is platonic and familial love. To have Storge and Agape and Philo all in one set and have Eros be on his own private card with hookers and blow. And I separate those cards specifically for that reason. And it's mostly because I wanted a reading in which if I do draw the tryst, I know exactly what that represented and I'm not going to get lost in symbology and get confused over oh my gosh, is this friendship that I'm having with this person going to turn out to be a romantic relationship? The Trish will tell you yes or no if this is going to be a, a romantic relationship to some degree. If you got like the bonded pair and the Trish, the same reading, it probably is something of that nature. Or honestly, the Trish can simply mean, you know, yeah, go buy that box of chocolate troubles and treat yourself. You can read Trist platonically. You kind of have to, because I use these deck, this deck for um, public readings for our Druid Grove. And nothing is funnier than drawing the Trist card in a public reading when you called out that, hey, I bet you when I draw the Trist card and draw the, you know, the let's, let's get down and dirty um, card in front of members of your community, like you do. Well, the Seer sees what the Seer sees. And you can see whatever you want in the lover's card. If you want to read the lover's card as platonic, that's perfectly fine. If you don't 
read the lover's card as platonic and as heterosexual whatever, that's your prerogative too. And I think when we do these relationship spreads, which I'm going to be doing and performing today for you guys, it's a relationship spread. Um, you need to frame the question or the idea or the spread in a way that is more neutral than Cupid's arrow. Um, there is a spread on the tarot set that I like using called the I Ching deck. Um, the, or the Tao, the Tao Oracle by Ma Dava Padma. It is, listen, okay, I know, I know. The pagan community has a problem with cultural appropriation, and I'm pretty sure this is a little culturally appropriative, but boy, do I love reading this deck. It's just so good. It's just so good, guys. Um, I'm probably sure that somebody in the Chinese-American community is going to tell me I should stop using that or it is inappropriate, but that aside, I, I, I should actually switch to another divination set, but I don't think it's appropriate, if, um, but that's up to somebody in the community to tell me otherwise, and if they do say it's appropriate and I shouldn't be reading it, then I'll switch to another system. Pretty simple. Um, but I'm going to actually not use my um, I Ching deck today. I'm going to be using my Seder deck. Actually, I haven't used my Animal Oracle deck in a hot second. Maybe where I can figure out where that one is, I can use it. Um, do I need any more divination sets? No. Do I want them? Yes. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> a little off topic, but that particular deck has the alchemy of relating spread. And I really like how it's about relations and relation and relating rather than relations with the TM and the Cupid's arrow, right? So, why is, why do we need to separate these sort of like relationship readings and or why are they always read in a romantic sense? Well, we're always like looking for love, right? Some of us are, some of us are not. Some of us don't need romantic love in our lives and are perfectly comfortable with platonic love and familial love. Shout out to my, all my arrows. You are all fucking valid and I appreciate all of you. Um, and someone is probably somewhere in the a spectrum, probably. Um, thanks, trauma. Uh, I don't like it when I get relationship spreads or I read relationships and I have to read them as boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, lover, lover cards. I like to like make them a little more platonic because what I'm looking at is not so much as the romantic relationship and that mechanic, but also the whole kind of holistic viewpoint of that relationship. And it could be readings between child and parent, um, or cousin and, uh, cut between cousins even, or uncle and, uh, nephew and niece, or even between coworkers. That's actually a really common relationship spread that I do, is a relationship spread focusing on work dynamics, because it's a great way to understand where your hierarchy is within your co-working, within your working community. And I like that one a lot too. Uh, there's another spread that I use for, uh, particularly between student and, um, and professor or for student and teacher. And it is kind of in a way in which there is a lesson kind of card or what's the lesson or what's the goal of this relationship or what's in between those two. So it's a simple spread of three cards with the student on one side and the teacher on the other and there's a center card and you flip the center card first and that is going to tell you kind of the nature of the relationship and then you flip the other two and you kind of read them together and it's a very very clear simple spread you can use it for all sorts of spreads it's a really really cool sort of spread you can warp it in any way you want you can make it about the center card being like the problem or the center card being the solution even the simple spread is so useful and so ubiquitous for all sorts of relationships that I really love using it specifically for relationships because it's a really good one to see two different people and looking at them and then you can see their different you can flip the cards those people cards first and then the center card or center card first and then the people whatever it's just really versatile and that's the spread that I like using um another spread I like using for relationships and again for more ubiquitous relationships um is a spread called um it's a 
I don't really have a title for it. I wish I did. But it's actually a, a five-card read. I like reading in odds and evens. Um, five-card read. And there is two cards on top. Two There's two cards on one side and two cards stacked on the other side. And then there's a center card. And the center card is the card you pull last. And you do a diagonal. You pull at the bottom first and then the top on the, on the other side. So bottom left, top right, top left, bottom right. And you read them sort of as parallels to each other. And one side can be one person, the other side can be the other, or it can simply be in a way that is about like events or states of, that, of one person, and maybe the states of the other person. And I have a needle dangling from my, I'm so ADD, sorry guys. And that particular read is useful when you're looking at multiple people even, or maybe in a bigger like, bigger sort of thing like family versus self or between um two two people and the center card is the keystone card and that is going if you flip that over last you can see what the result of that relationship looks like and i'm going to be doing that one today and i'm going to show you how i'm going to be reading that one and i like that spread because it is a very more complex read instead of the you know, person A, person B, middle ground card. That's a simple, clear, wow, chef kiss, perfect read. But the, but that particular one is, that particular one is really complex and, but not complicated, right? Like the diagonals are a little complicated, but they're supposed to be in relation to each other. That's why I did it. You can do it you can do it parallel with top, top, bottom, bottom, but um, the that particular spread with the five cards, four on top, four on bottom, four, four on one side, whatever, got two on one side, two on the other, and the center card, that particular spread is just a more complex version of the three card spread. Um, and you can even up the ante with seven or nine cards even and do multiple sort of like points, but... Don't overdo it. I never understand spreads that are like seven or more cards unless you're doing a long span, long form read. And then you're going to drink some coffee, maybe take some mushrooms and see God. Um, highly recommend you keeping it simple. Um, I really recommend the three card spread. And I think that one is really useful and sort of like clear overview of what you want. Um... And the five card spread is more for like bigger picture stuff. So let's go ahead and do a reading. And I'm going to be doing a reading with a friend of mine who is very special in my life. And I'll talk to more about that in the next segment on today's reading. All right, welcome back friends. So we talked a little bit about emergency readings today and about relationships and relationship readings. So I'm going to be doing today's reading. So I'm going to be reading a relationship reading, not so much as, ah, what to do next reading, because those tend to be very individualized. Um, this reading is an example of my five card spread, which I haven't gotten a name for it yet. And I'm going to be doing a five card spread read on my relationship with a dear friend of mine um, who uh, I'm going to be having a baby for. So this is uh, just sort of like a reading on not so much, you know, the relationship state, but the relationship in itself. I don't know if that makes sense. Like when you do a relationship card read, you're often reading the state of the relationship in the present moment, not the nature of the relationship, right? So a good example of this would be, um, let's use a scenario here. I am sitting in a local metaphysical store and I'm going to be the guest reader for the day. And I got my third deck out and I have this lovely lady who comes in, says that she wants uh, a reading. I ask her questions. She's sort of like, middle about it, but she wants to know about her boyfriend 
that she's been seeing for about a year and a half and wants me to do a reading. So the state of the relationship reading is in that present moment in that relationship. And you could flip a card and go, oh my goodness, you guys are in love. Oh, I can see that he's really devoted to you. Oh, you seem to be in a really good moment right now. Everything looks really good. And that's great. And you guys should keep together. Give me my $20 and go. A full reading of the relationship instead will look at both past, present, but also sort of like, not personality quirks per se, but like how the relationship functions. So I might draw a card and go, your boyfriend loves his job, like a lot. He's, I can see from this card and the way that uh, it's positioned right now, he's super into his job. Um, I flip up with another card, I can say like, oh, he's really busy all the time. He loves you, but he's just so busy. And this past event happened in his job, I bet, that was a lot of it was him doing a bunch of projects and being dependable. He seems dependable and loyal and really loves sticking up for people and really loves his job. And, you know, the lady, of course, can tell me, oh, he's this and this and this, of course. And then I can read her and being like, oh, you love your job, but you're overworked and tired. You're looking for more fulfillment. And I can read the relationship as you love each other, but you don't see each other anymore, right? Like, I think that's my point. And that is a more well-rounded view because at that present state, they probably are fine, but I can see from how the relationship is built on that the relationship is not on trouble or anything, but this is what you're really looking for. And this is what you're really seeking is more fulfillment from each other. Or maybe it's just some more time with each other because you miss each other. I know I've been there. And for some people who are listening to me, like, I do that anyway. That's the same thing as a state of relationship reading. Maybe that's you. I see them as two separate things. I see a present tense. You guys love each other. You guys hate each other. Or he's cheating on you. Or you're pregnant with this baby sort of stuff. But I like to look at a more holistic, large, long view sort of like read. Especially for more complicated things like, is he cheating on you? I can't let my, I can't tell with cards. Because read it reasons and I am very nervous whenever I'm like get a card that says that indicates infidelity so don't get monogamy whatsoever I don't get monogamy um so I'm gonna go ahead and do this relationship spread so the way I'm gonna do it is much what I said before with the top down diagonals so I'm gonna go ahead and do uh, the top left and the bottom right. And I got the Doe Mother. And I got the Rambler. And I'm using my Cedar deck because it's my own personal deck with my own personal symbols. And I'm sure people at home are like, I don't know what those cards are and what those mean. But let me go ahead and give you those analogs. So the Doe Mother's analog is the Empress and the Rambler's analog is the Magician. And then I'm sure people are like, oh yeah, now I get it. So the Dome Mother represents, uh, it doesn't necessarily represent my side, but it represents, I think, the, the position that I am with the, with what I'm doing, uh, having a baby for this man and essentially having his baby since he's going to be the sperm donor and I'm going to be the egg donor and the uterus to grow the baby. So this is a union between both of us. And this is really interesting because the cosmology of the Rambler represents completion, full circle, adulthood, achievement, mastery. And that's sort of how I read the, um, the magician. And so this together represents a completion, a connection, a firmness with each other, a wholeness, a circular motion. And this is really cool. And I really like this because it represents that we're together in a sense of that makes a complete sort of like unified structure. Not one is dependent on the other per se, but we both are dependent to each other in a sense that one needs the other. And it's, well, to have a baby, right? But, um, but this in the particular, particular setting right now is interesting because I've always found this to be found this particular card, especially the particular card meaning the Rambler, to be really hard to read. 
Um, I've been debating for a while about rechanging the card, but like it represents mastery and sort of like fulfillment. And the card's imagery is a satyr standing on a road with a staff in his hand with a, with a red ribbon wrapped around it. Um, and he's looking and facing a little bit towards the west and there's mountains behind him. And the rambler is adult cis male satyr. Um, so it's not ambiguous on gender. And it represents sort of like looking forward and sort of moving forward and continuing mastery. The doe mother is a pregnant female satyr sitting on a stone block um, with her hand over her pregnant belly. Um, she looks a little older, probably in her late 30s, 50s. Um, definitely someone who has had many children and who has a successful uh, sets probably. And it's a night sky in a grassy plain and on her right hand side is a rising full moon, which she's presenting to you. So it was in fullness and, and like achievement as well. And both of them are really interesting in how they play off with each other because they both represent achievement. And I think for me, this card is definitely for the Doe Mother, the achievement of bearing life and the mastery of, of looking forward towards parenthood for the Rambler. And that's sort of how I'm reading it. The Rambler's looking forward to achieving um, a new level, a new stage of growth, which is parenthood. And for me, I am bearing a child for him. That's how they're connected. They're playing off of each other. I don't know if that made any sense. And if it didn't, I'm sorry. Um, I'm going to try to explain it again once I get uh, full to a full reading. Um, let me go ahead and read the bottom set. Oh, <laughs> this is very gendered. <laughs> this is gendered. Um, wow. If I get the, if I get, if I get the, okay, I have to flip it over. Oh, that's wild. Oh man, that's wild. Oh my God, that's crazy. Okay, so I'm sorry for freaking out on the podcast. Let me get my composure back as your host. But let me tell you, that's funny. Um, so on my side is the Doe Mother and the Flower Maiden. And then on, on Mike's side is the Lord of the Woods and the Rambler. Let me put that in tarot terms. I got the Empress and the, and the High Priestess. He got the Emperor and the Magician. Um, holy sh... Okay. So, the Flower Maiden and the Rambler are connected to each other. They are reflections of each other. And so is the Doe Mother and the uh, Lord of the Woods. They're also connected to each other. They are reflections of each other. So... This is a really cool and beautiful setup because it represents harmony, like in the greatest sense of harmony. And I'm really thrown by this. <laughs> if I get the kidlings underneath here, like I'm done. I'm done for the day. We're, we're, we're pack it all in, pack it all in, pack it all in. I don't want, I don't almost want to flip it over, but, um, wow, this represents unity in its, really beautiful sense. Okay, so let me go ahead and read the Flower Maiden first. So the Flower Maiden depicts of a beautiful red hair cedar doe with a armful of flowers over her covered breasts. Her breasts are covered representing modesty and a little bit of immaturity. She's not a fully grown adult with that she can feel that she's comfortable bearing her breasts. In this case, they're covered with beautiful blooming flowers. It represents blooming also, like the Rambler achievement, but this is, represents fullness and grace and beauty and looking at beautiful things and feeling beautiful and feeling um, right. It is a, she's forward facing. She's looking right at the reader. She's not looking to the side or looking to the left or parallel. And when she's looking straight at you with all those flowers and she has this soft, sort of like gentle look to her. The doe in this particular piece, the flower maiden, is offering you flowers, is offering you growth. It represents the growing, blooming field of flowers. And the doe mother is maturity, it is rightness, it is fullness, it is passive leadership, 
and together, even though this is a very female read, it to me it represents a ripening, a fullness, a blooming. And that's really beautiful. A blooming achievement. Oh, wow. It's really cool I get to share this with y'all, honestly, on this lovely Sunday morning. And on Mike's side, he gains the Lord of the Woods. So the Lord of the Woods is an interesting card because I didn't want to have Pan himself as a tarot card because Pan can be read in all the deck and all the satyrs. The Lord of the Woods is a male satyr, very much cis male satyr. Um, and he is sitting cross-legged with an erect penis, um, holding on his... Uh, Left hand is a blade, and on his right is a is a looting uh, sprout. And he is wearing a silver torque on his neck, and he's decorated with jewelry on his wrists and uh, fingers. And the Lord of the Woods is masculine energy, like pure masculine yang. He is summer. He is the sun. He is the rising sun as the doe is the rising moon. He is active leadership while she leads from the back. He is the sire of many children when she is the bearer of many children. He is the educator of bucks. She is the educator of does. Uh, and they work together in harmony. Um, and even though these two are very, very gendered as male and female, you can flip them around too. Um, you can have the doe be an active leader, the teacher of bucks, the ennobler of warriors and the gentle lord of the woods is the caregiver of young satyrs the nurturer of growing things the planter of seeds because he has the seed in his hand that is growing right it's sprouting and that's what you can read them both and flip them around they're basically echoes of the same and i gotta take a picture of this when i'm done because this is sort of cool, and I kind of want to show Mike today. I'm gonna, we're going to go meet during chorus today, of course. Um, but, but because this is so serendipitous and so beautiful, um, I'm almost a little skeptical. Like, this says that our relationship is in balance and perfectly symmetrical to each other. Because we have the doe and the and the the have the doe mother and the lord, we have the blooming flower maiden and the rambler, which, um, fun fact, are the kidlings. The flower maiden is the red-headed kidling, and the lightly brown and brown and black kidling right next to it is the rambler. They're children together. I envision them as siblings, um, but you can decide whether or not whether or not they're siblings. I mean, whatever, um, and. I think in this particular set, in this particular reading, it's interesting how these this this alone, the four cards, sort of mirror each other almost perfectly. And it's creepy and it's beautiful and it's just wow. I can't get over it. Okay. Did not get the kidlings. I would have lost my lost my mind if I got the kidlings. Um I said I got the bellwether. So the center card is, I call it as the clincher or the keystone. This is the card that connects the four. And that's interesting that it got the bellwether. Um, so what does this mean? In order to, to achieve a perfect relation. Oh, I know what this means. Never mind. I figured it out. It's okay. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I figured it out. It's cool. Uh, so the bellwether is um, 16. It's depicting of a young satyr, um, probably male. Um, his horns are chopped off or sanded off. He's carrying a shepherd's crook and he wears a belled collar and he has a copper or silver, no, he has a silver uh, septum piercing uh, in his nose. And the bellwether represents the, the satyr who gave up his freedom for security. Um, it represents relinquishing of power. Um, you're not in control. Somebody else is taking the lead and you're, and you're no longer the boss anymore. Um, it also represents literal impotence. Um, and I don't like reading it as, oh, you can't have kids because your, your 
partner who produces sperm is infertile because that's not necessarily you, there's a lot there's there's got to be there's more cards connected to that but in this particular case um this just simply means that a lot of things are out of our hands with this with this child like we're been trying to have a baby and right now we're in the in the hands of the law and we're not in charge we can't decide to have a kid now we have to wait until paperwork is signed and that's what it basically means and we're just out of it's out of our hands um and you know it's interesting because i was kind of hoping it was gonna be the killings but like that's a really interesting spread like i'm taking a picture of this it's happening now um and I'm going over my 15 minutes, which is what I did not want to do. And um, I got to show this to Mike. He's just going to love this. Like, um, and I think this particular reading is just really, 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 like, good to know and really like comforting and really clear and yeah some readings are like that some readings are very much uh I really hate this camera app because it's crashing um I think I think I'm gonna end this today um I hope you get really good readings today. I hope you get a good card read today. So I got one and it's just, just nice. It's just, just great. It's just awesome. So, um, to end this session, I guess, uh, I want to say thank you to those who are listening with us. You can find me on Bartchild on, at Instagram. You can find me on Twitter at Bartic Seder. I'm on there too, though, to be fair, my Bartic Seder is all about shitposting and stuff. Um, but you can find me on Instagram at Barch at Barchild, and go please follow me on social media. I am also willing to talk to people who are looking for a reading. I'm always accepting new clients. Come, yes, come get a reading from me. Come play with my Seder deck. You'll love it. I'm surrounded by goat men. It is fantastic. So to all those out there, um, I hope you guys have good readings and I hope they are full of light. I'll catch you next time.